0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. That's great. It's huh. getting loose and goosey. All right. Last week, Pastor Todd t- talked about um, wholehearted. In fact, he said that you can have relentless trust when you acknowledge God's faithfulness from past promises that He has fulfilled. His faithfulness, you can trust because you can trust it with also with your future. Again, going back to the past promises. Well, this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about something that uh, that I myself also struggle with. Uh, so if my tone or manner is like, wow, that's kind of crazy, or a little, maybe get, you maybe get it offensive, just understand this. Um, whenever I'm up here, I am not speaking about something that I have not or isn't currently going through. Um, Todd and I both have made that commitment. When we come up here, we're not just speaking because we read a book and we want to talk about it. No, we speak about what God is doing through our hearts and when we feel like, hey, this is what God's word, we want you to understand. Um, So I apologize up front if you're like, ouch, um, because just imagine how ouch it was in my heart um, hearing from God's word. Uh, we're going to speak about generosity. The funny thing about generosity, it's an equality that we expect out of others, but really can't do it ourselves. Right? Um, it's something like, "Oh, I wish people would be generous to me," but when, when that question be thrown on to us, like, well, why are you generous?" Maybe? And generous has nothing really to do with stuff. Generosity actually has everything to do with a heart, not stuff. See, I've said this, and I'm sure you have said this, well, if I would win the lottery, I would give, 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 like nobody's ever seen. Am I the only one who said that? No, right? Like, oh, um, like oh, I, if somebody would die in my family and they would give me the inheritance, nah, I didn't go that way. i just a third little joke. You can lighten up. It's okay. It helps me out. (laughs) Why why is it that when we say that, but the reality is that if we actually have more stuff, that doesn't solve the problem. Because stuff is not really the issue. The issue is the heart. Because if you're not generous with what you have now, you won't be generous with what, if you had more. Because it's, and a heart issue. The heart issue is we want to hold on to everything we have because we've worked so hard for everything, right? We all fall for the lies that the devil tells us that we are the victims, that we are the misfortunate. And we think others should be generous to us, or maybe, maybe not generous to us, but maybe we th- think others should be understanding of our. Situation, Because when it comes down to it, again, we are the poor, innocent victim. All things go astray. You know, all those long, hard hours of work. The the lie to believe that, hey, you've earned it. Well, if we remember last week, guess what? It's not yours anyways. See, when you fall into the line of, oh, I've earned this, then you fall into the lie that, well, then you can't get rid of it. Because you've earned it. Well, last week, Todd said, no, it's a blessing. You are blessed with it. God gave you it. It's all his, and he lets you have it for a brief period of time. So he can do whatever he wills because he's the one who created it for you. So therefore, you haven't earned it. It was given to you. Generosity. Generosity. But Cody, nobody knows my troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Right? Poor us. Me, me. Me, 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 me. But I want to let you guys know that this wasn't only, uh, it's not a problem that's happening today, but it actually happened in the first century in the church. And there were people playing the victim card. It's uh, people were always against me. But they did it in this historical documentation. I said that because some of you guys think this is like a picture book. Um, I just want you to know, the stuff in this book called the Bible happened. Eyewitnesses account, Luke says, eyewitness accounts. This was not just made up. It happened. In the segment that we're going to talk about that actually happened, there was a group of poverty and abuse victims, and they were generous in their giving towards a relief aid towards Jerusalem because there was a famine. They gave more than the rich community of their time. In the rich community, they decided to play the victim card. This generous group was known as the Macedonian Churches or the Macedonian believers. And we're going to see what God does when he motivates poor people to give money. The Macedonians weren't known for their wealth, but they're actually known for the exact opposite. The church of Macedonia or the churches of Macedonia when they were given aid to Jerusalem, you would think that it would go the other way. Since they were known for poverty, that Jerusalem will have aid for them the whole time. But you no, know, something happened. And now Jerusalem's like, well, we need money. And Macedonians didn't say, oh, well, hey, on. <laughs> we're poor. You no, know, Paul will speak about how gracious they were. And he spoke to the Corinthian church. And he was talking about, hey, you're rich. I want to show you what what God does when he leads poor people to give money. Heavenly Father, I pray that my words not be of of myself, but it be be of you. Spirit of God, I I pray that you work not only in the hearts in this congregation, but Spirit of God, I pray that you, you speak to me and speak through me this morning. And I pray that... If anything is awesome or anything that is great, God, that it would just reveal You and and not anything of me. Pray these things in Your awesome name, Amen. We're going to be in Second Corinthians, chapter eight. If you guys, want, if you have your Bibles, we also have it on the screens, and uh, it's in the ESV, so it may be different to some of you guys' versions. Um, So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to God and by the will of God to us. Also in verse six, it says, according we urge Titus that he has started, as he should, complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in everything in faith, in speech and knowledge, in all earnesty in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Then verse eight, I say this not as a command, but to prove my earnest earnestness of others, that your love is also genuine. Then verse nine, for all, You know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So, the first point I want you guys to get is in verses 1 through 5, and that is a generous heart focused on needs rather than amount. Again, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. That's important. So if you are a highlighter, you underline that right there. The grace of God has been given to the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, another little phrase to underline, their abundance of joy, circle joy, because we're going to go back to that, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, of their own accord, not anybody pushing them, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. Um, here's the thing I want you guys to understand, that the Macedonians, they knew what struggles was about. Because we see here that there was a severe test of affliction, um, not only in their extreme poverty, but they were also being abused for their faith. So we can say that they knew what it was like to be abandoned. They knew what it was like to be the victim. But besides playing the victim card, they s- decided to choose grace, and we get that from verse one: the grace of God that which has been given to them. They understood that grace was more important than material things. In fact, the word grace appears ten times. The Greek word is called charis. It appears ten times in chapters 8 and 9. Which, if you do word studies, that's very important when one word in Greek appears ten times. That means there's an importance about that. And it refer, refers here in verse 1 to a generosity of human effort, which Paul understands to be motivated by God. See, I have struggled with giving to him out. <laughs> You know, I have really have struggled with giving to him out and not really practicing generosity. I don't know if maybe you have done this, but I, mean, I, I used to be the, the guy who would show up to church in my college years, you know, fill around the pockets, like, oh, I got... T- Yeah, I think I got a dollar or two. I can throw that in there, you know? Um, Before debit cards, uh, you had to have cash, kids. I know, it's kind of crazy. Maybe even a check. It's odd, too. But I would be like, okay, hey, what's in my cup holder? Uh, You know, paperclip, piece of gum. Hey, maybe they need a piece of gum. Who knows? Uh, And I would take that and be like, hey, you know what? Anything's better than nothing, right? As my mom used to say, hey, at least you got something and not nothing. That's not really generous. It's amount, not generous. There's no heart with that. And I didn't really grasp that until I started um, actually supporting a kid in India through Compassion International. And then it was $30 a month. Uh, And I have continued that for seven years. Um, I have been faithfully supporting a kid in India. And I'm not saying that to, to like, oh, Cody's a good guy, because here's the thing now. Now that I'm married and I have more income than I did in college, <laughs> there was days I had ramen noodles so that kid could eat. And I, you better like it. I, 25 cents on ramen noodles. You'll learn about that students later on. <laughs> but now $30 is, is an amount. It's not a need. So my wife and I, we're thinking about, well, now we need to supply chickens and goats and figure out how we can do that through our, the, the kids we support. So again, I say this is something still that I am learning and God's still pulling and still witnessing in my life to say, hey, it's not about a mouth. A generous heart doesn't focus on a, on a mouth, but focus on needs of people. The warm generosity of the Macedonian believers It was generated and sustained by God's grace, not by a psychological manipulation or pastoral tricks. See, Paul didn't give the Macedonian church an amount to say, hey, we need this amount so you can fulfill the relief aid. He didn't have to do a commercial to show the devastation of the famine that was in Jerusalem. In fact, he didn't even create packets of poor innocent children in the front of it to hand out to the Macedonian church so that they would give? Now they just realized, you know what? There's a need. I want to fulfill a need, not a mount. And they didn't do it on their own will. Go back to verse 1. For the grace of God given to them. They realized that it was by God that this need needed to be fulfilled. That's why they gave so earnestly. There's something important about when God has a need for, to be fulfilled by his people because we experience joy. The problem with focusing on the amount, it, it robs the spirit of joy. See, when focusing on the amount of money or resources we have, you take joy out of the equation, and then now we just created a checklist, right? A checklist you can write off an amount. Taxes, I can write off an amount. And there may be happiness, but it seemingly fades away because then usually when you write off the amount, maybe if you've done this before, like, oh, I shouldn't have gave that much. (laughs) I gotta really pay the car. Right? Because amount, there's no joy in amount. Because amount really fulfills you and me not God. Checklist pleases us, not God. God is not interested in your checklist. He's interested in your heart. Say that again. God is not interested in your checklist, but he's interested in your heart. The Apostle Paul was so proud of their generosity, but so shocked that they were so willing to give themselves up to God He was shocked that they were willing to give themselves up to God. Not what they gave, but to God. And then what they did. My question for you all in this morning is a question I have to ask myself is, who determines how you give? The needs of people or the amount you're most comfortable with? I'll ask that again. Who determines how much you give or how generous you are towards other? The needs of people or the amount you're most comfortable with? Point two, uh, what I think that Scripture is pointing out is also a generous heart does the unexpected. Uh, Verses three through five, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief aid for the saints. And this, not as we expected, again, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. As Todd talked about relentless trust, when we relentlessly trust God, we are more likely to give radically or radically give. The Macedonians relentlessly trust God and we know that by verses four or five saying, first of all, begging us earnestly. I don't know about you, but I haven't had really much people say, let me know what you need. Like, you know, like earnestly. It's usually like, oh, if I can help you out, let me know right? The eh. But they're like, no, let us know. We want to fulfill this because of God. Not you, but God. And they, they gave unexpectedly because of their love for God. Uh, a commentator, uh, David Garland, says, when people are spontaneously generous toward others, it's a clear evidence that God's grace is working in and through them. I'll read that once more. When people are spon- spontaneously generous toward others, it's a clear evidence that God's grace is working in and through them. Um, I always want to give you guys a little story. Um, we, Maddie and I, have a great marriage mentor couple. Um, it's actually one of the elders, Matt and Amy Cunningham, and I was going. They, they said I can share this story with them. It's, it was Amy's birthday a couple of weeks back and uh, Matt planned a surprise birthday party. She did find out before the party happened, but the best thing was that Matt contacted friends and family that they had in Colorado and really just across the nation and paid for them to come to the surprise party, and during the weekend, she randomly saw family members in restaurants and areas. Yeah, I know. Aww. That's, it's really precious. And then on the party, there was more family members and friends at her, their house when she walked through that she didn't know that was going to be there. And then everybody wrote something about what they loved about Amy, and it was floating on their pool. That's really all, right? Yeah. Guys, write that down. Um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> you betcha. But the precious moment, it, that's great, and that's awesome. But here's the precious moment. Is that Matt knew how to unexpectedly, spontaneously show love to his wife. That's the beautiful picture. He knew what his wife would love. Not what he wanted to do, but what his life would love. Husbands write that down. Wives write that down. Because here's the question. When's the last time you spontaneously, generously loved your spouse? in the way that they will feel loved, not you. Here's it is. Because if we can't spontaneously, generously love the ones that we see every day, how are we gonna do that outside? Or some of you may do that outside and don't do it in your home. Challenge, spontaneously, unexpectedly, show generosity. Because that shows God's grace more than anything how you love not by what you know and some of you I know may be in here and has struggled with relationships there may be a relationship struggling right now you know what a great start not cure but great start that you spontaneously unexpectedly show generosity towards that relationship Again, it is not a cure, but it's a great start because it lets them know that you are thinking about them. Point three, uh, I believe that Paul is speaking to us about generosity in this letter is that a generous heart loves people with no strings attached. And this answers the question, why should then we be generous some of you may not be Christians, and you're like, well, I don't understand why we need to be generous. And that, that answer is actually in verse 9. Um, and it says, For you know the grace of God, or for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I want you guys to think about this. Christ was rich. He was well off. In fact, he is eternal. He is God. He is the King of kings and the Lords of lords. He can do anything. He, He was there during creation. He was partaking in the divineness of creation. So therefore, he has possessions and a position we can't really understand. But he was rich. He was on his throne and he is God alone. Let's think about this. Christ on his throne gave up that position for a manger. He became a servant of servants. He became a servant so much to us that Christ on throne became a servant that some nights in his ministry, he didn't even have a place to lay his head down. He left his throne to become a servant to be on a wooden cross. He left his throne and became a servant to assume the position and assume the, the punishment of a criminal so that he could bore your sins. That word, uh, we, In seminary, we call it kenosis. The process of God leaving his divinity, or not divinity, but his divineness to give us divine. It's weird. But he became a servant. So then why would God suffer for us? Why would he do all that? To us to be free. The Macedonians grasped that. They were free by God, so then they could give. Why can you be generous? Because God has been generous to you. He has given you everything. It's called salvation, which is worth more than any material thing that you can ever hold on to. Because guess what? That car is going to run out of gas and it's going to break down. That house is going to get eaten up by termites. There you go. You want to know where your things go? Guess what? You die, it goes to the state. Or it goes to your kids. And if you didn't taught them in generous, guess where it's gonna go? In the gutter. So you wanna know where your things go? That's where it goes. But you know where salvation goes? Eternity. Salvation is forever. <laughs> Grace is forever. I don't know about you, but why do the you know, my wife's a math teacher? That seems to be more on the good side adding up things, right? See, when we recognize how much Christ has done for us, we're more likely to be joyous in our giving or to have joy in our giving. And we know that going back to verse two. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The Macedonians, while being dirt poor and being abused for their faith, could be joyous in their afflictions, not because of their own strength or how they were raised or their background, because they grasped what Jesus did for them. They were joyous because when the material stuff is compared to Christ, Christ outweighs the material stuff and they could give it away. They were all in as Todd said last week, because nothing is more precious than the gift of salvation. When compared to grace, which was given to us freely to material things, material things in this world will always have strings attached to it, doesn't it? Some of you may have been burnt by those strings 0% down. One-time-only event, low interest rates, and those strings are still being attached to you today, and it's why we offer financial peace. But we'll let you know that in, in Ephesians two eight, this frees us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing; it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We were saved by grace, and grace is free. You have done nothing to earn it, and you can do nothing to keep it. There's no strings attached. Faith through grace. Grace through faith. They work hand to hand. And that is liberating. Because if you ask... Wonder what God expects from you this morning of generosity to understand that grace is free. And he bore it. He bore all your sins so that you could be free. The truth is that we are the Corinth church. We're the ones that need to be reminded about how awesome God is. We are not the Macedonian church. If you read scripture and you think that you're the hero, then you read scripture wrong. You are not. You are the damsel in distress. We are the Corinthian church. We need to be reminded. We need to be wholeheartedly in our generosity. Why? Because it shows people how much we love God. Not how much we own or how much we need to give. No, it shows others how much God has loved us and what we can do in response to God's love. See, when we do a half hearted response and generosity, it ruins the total sacrifice that Christ gave us. Because Christ wasn't half in. He was all in. He was all in to the point of death. And I can't paint you or give you a better picture of generosity than Jesus Christ. He outweighs Mother Teresa he outweighs Obama, if you. He outweighs Reagan. Whoever you've put on that idol, well, guess what? That idol is dead. There or they will die. But God is the only God who rose again, who rose from the dead. Generosity is wholehearted, not partially, because Christ wasn't partially in. Christ didn't take just half of your sins; He took all of your sins. When we look at the cross, generosity is not at one time only. It's a lifestyle. I have a quote from a, a famous author from John Bunyan. It says, You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. I'll say that again. You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. And if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're like, Cody, somebody invited me. I'm going to get free lunch out of this. Awesome. Get that free lunch. My question for you, my, my, my more message for you is this. Your generosity would only last so long because humanity has selfishness and your selfishness will take part. But you could have grace Grace is a lifetime, eternity. So would you rather have generosity on your own will or generosity in the grace of God? And if you don't know the most gracious and most compassionate person that you could ever meet and his name is Jesus, I'm going to be right here. I would love to talk to you about Jesus. Our elders would love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. So we actually, and if you are a follower, we actually have some things for you about how you can spontaneously give radically. Number one um, on the screen, leave an anonymous thank you note to teachers, and that's for students because my wife is a teacher, and there's nothing more that she loves than a student coming up to her saying, "You are a great teacher." I have friends that are teachers, and they would love to know. How well they're doing, parents. Besides complaining about teachers, when's the last time you said thank you to a teacher? Because let's be honest, it's kind of more the kid than the teacher. Number two, pay for someone's mission trip. Right after um, second service of today, we're going to go over our Belize mission trip, and there's going to be—I guarantee you, because it always happens—there's going to be somebody who just cannot make finances, but yet they know that God has called them. Why don't you sponsor them? Maybe you can't go, but you can sponsor. Number three, send a card to someone in the military, and this is one. what got me through Christmas in Iraq was churches. Say, to whom a concern, we just want you to know we're praying for you, and there's a little Christmas card. I've kept all my Christmas cards. It's in a big box in my home in Ohio. I will not get rid of those because that is what gets soldiers through, is to know that they are cared for. Send a box. USO. They'll tell you, they'll give you all the instructions. Number four, I love this one. Take flowers to the hospital ward and give them to someone who hasn't had visitors. <laughs> Go to a retirement home. Talk to somebody, anybody, I guarantee they want to talk. Number five, pay for someone's groceries. Number six, offer to help an el- elderly neighbor with their household chores. So we know those are out, right? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, I just want to end with a story there is a marriage there's a couple in here um, who have impacted my wife and I's uh, relationship and just they've been so generous to us Um, they're the Trembles, and and when we got here um, they put groceries in our refrigerator they're our landlords Um, they bought us Christmas gifts um, which is weird to have your landlords give you Christmas gifts uh, they, they support our student ministry. They're the house that our, my high school students meet at. And I asked John Trimble, I said, "Why? Why do you do this?" Because he said, "God has blessed me, so I want to bless others." So I leave you with this question: Who are you blessing with? Who are you blessing? Does the coworkers even know that you know Jesus? Are you blessing others? because God, God has given you every resource too. So what is it? What's stopping you? And that's where I would start this week. Be praying, God, what's stopping me? What is it in my life that I'm holding on to too strongly? I'm going to pray. The band's going to come back up here. So you all bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much for providing all of this, all, everything in my life and everybody's here Lord, this is an awesome church and, and it has been shown several times of how awesome they are. God, I, I know that we all can do better in blessing others. I know we can all do better of looking at our hearts and being more generous with what we have because in reality, it's not us, God. It's not our stuff. So Father, what is it in our, my life, what is it in our life, God, that we're holding on to so strongly and we believe that if once we get rid of it, that you won't repay us back. What is it, God? Father, challenge us to love our spouses. Challenge us to love our, our, our kids. Challenge us to love our neighbors. Because the world should know the most generous people are those who follow you. Amen.